Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed Local Provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. Security sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC. Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. Giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and an investment advisor with 19 years experience in providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I have an MBA in finance. I'm also Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider and have over 20 years in planning for both corporations as well as individuals. We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly radio show. We are right here every Saturday like today from 9 to 10 a.m. You can also go to our website, moneymd.net, and click in the top right-hand corner. You can stream it from your computer, wherever you're kind of hanging out this morning, or obviously you can go to uh, 1230 a.m. if you're driving around the CSRA and uh, check us out. Enjoying the nice weather uh, Uh, after a cold week here. Oh, it was a brutally cold week. It really was. It was amazing how fast things can change, isn't it? Yeah. I've got a fact for us real quick here. Well, give it to us. Can you believe we've been doing this for three years? Yeah, that's true. That's true. This is basically kind of a three our three-year anniversary. anniversary. It's there amazing. Time flies when you're having fun. It does. It has been fun. It has you been. Know? Yeah, we'll have to do our uh, the best of uh, series here pretty soon. There you go. We've had some good shows. We can mix that together, right? We've been talking about some good stuff. The last that's three right. years, the Carolina wins, you know, we could get those... You know, you know, Clemson serious. winning BCS yes, bowl games. I, like I mean, that, that's yeah. pretty impressive. And yeah, I mean, the only good. South Carolina team to win BCS, um, as I might, I might add. Oh, okay. You, know? you were going to add that one. I figured you would. Yeah, it was a great bowl season. Georgia did not win. Uh, Tech had a rough year, but the South Carolina schools they came through. South Carolina came through. That's true, and uh, and great, just great games to watch too. I mean, yeah. they were all competitive games. Got to see some amazing plays, mm-hmm. you know, like Texas A and M, you know, and their big win, and yeah, and you know the National- Johnny Manziel's out there, and just some incredible games. Yeah, it was national championship. It was fantastic. It really was. It wasn't a blowout like we might have thought. So, um, hey, you know, that was it was fun, a fun fun month for uh, bowl games. Only really thirty seven more weeks. <laughs> to the new season. To so. the new season. Just saying. Clemson gets some revenge on <laughs> South Carolina. <laughs> there you go. Hey, also download our TuneIn radio app, though. Um, another great way to listen to us on your smartphone. I, I love that. You can walk around the house, have your phone in your pocket with your earbuds in or however you want to do it. But um, just a, a super way to listen to us and an easy way to listen to us. And you can also get the upgrade version of that, and you can program it to record us. Mm-hmm. So you can listen to us anytime you want. You know, from past shows and, and, uh, you know, so you don't have to be here right at nine o'clock every Saturday morning like today. Yeah. But, uh, all right. We have an awesome show lined up here today for our first show here in, uh, uh, well, I guess it's our second show here in this year. Um, but you know, we're, we're still talking about 2014. We're going to start off here with what's hot in 2014. Great article out of, uh, CNN Money. Yeah. You know, a lot of people obviously come in this time of year and it's like, you know, 2013 was a fabulous year in the markets. I mean, Right. You know, if you were investing, had good diversification, it was a, a super year. Uh, and so everybody's saying, well, can 2014 top it? And obviously we got our crystal balls out and shook it around a little bit. And it was, mine was muddy. It was yours? It was a little snowy on <laughs> a mine. A little snowy, you know, okay. After this week. But yeah, it was pretty cloudy. So we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, what's going on in uh, in the world markets and, and what we see out there. It's a great article. We're going to follow that up with um, 
This is a Kiplinger's article. It's kind of a negative title, but 10 Reasons You'll Never Be Rich. <laughs> okay. That's kind of depressing, John. It, I mean, why do you want to be so depressing here on So a... negative? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't choose the, the topic or the article. I did choose the topic, but I didn't choose the article. So. Actually, I think it's a little more positive than that. They kind of turn it down. It they? is. It is. There's some, some reasons that are pretty good that you're going to want to stick around for. And if you are if you can avoid these 10 things, then you, you can be rich, right? The point's to motivate you, right? right? It's not to beat you down and say you'll never get there. It's just to say, hey, these are the reasons you normally <laughs> don't get rich that's right so you want to be different than average you want to live like no one else right that's right exactly all right and so uh, we're going to finish up with the five simple steps to achieve any financial goal um great article on u.s news and world report here recently just came out this week and uh you know it's kind of like dieting john you know if you if you want to succeed there are some key things you need to do mm-hmm. but you can set yourself up for success yep and uh, this is talking about how to set yourself up for success in achieving your financial goals. So I think it's a great, great article. We'll go into those details here in just a second. But we're going to start off with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this came from uh, the Russell organization and talks about small cap stocks. And we, we talk about this periodically. Uh, like we said, 2013 was a fantastic year. The S&P 500 was up roughly 30%. But the small stocks, if you had some small cap stocks in your portfolio, they were up almost 39% um, in 2013. And the small cap index has gained um, over 10% per year over the last 25 years. That goes all the way back to 1989. Um, so, you know, we, we're big believers in diversification. And small cap is a, is a big way, a uh, big piece of what we do. And it's been a fantastic year for them. Yeah, and I'll add to that. I mean, I just ran the numbers for 2013. And actually, micro cap stocks, which are the smallest of the small, we're up 45% mm-hmm. in 2013. Yeah, so that would be a good asset class to have in your portfolio. We're just saying. Historically. Yeah, it would be. It would be. Of course, our portfolios do have microcap stocks in them. They I do. Mean, if you're going to go small, why not go, go smaller? So small. Let's go for the smallest of small. And, yeah. And that's what it does. And uh, <laughs> so you can improve your return by having asset classes that historically have given a higher yeah. return. And obviously, we don't try to predict the future, but historically, small caps have done better than large caps. And, you know, they're just a part of a diversified portfolio. So, again, great year for uh, 2013, and it was really evident by the small cap performance. Yeah, great financial fact of the week. All right, and that leads us up here to our first topic, and that is talking about 2014. What's ahead this year? What's hot in 2014, according to uh, CNN Money? Um, you know, and I'll just say, I mean, keep in mind, these are just their opinion. Sure. You know, nobody has a crystal ball, but uh, I mean, it's entertaining to see what people think. I disagree with some of these things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's always someone's going to come out with a prediction and there's going to be someone on the other side with the exact opposite. So this is just, you know, data points, if you will. Um, but <clears throat> if you look at, at 2013, it was a record year. It was fantastic. I mean, right now the markets are flush with liquidity. There's a lot of cash that's being pumped in. And um, so the question is, is there anything left for investors in, in 2014? And um, you know, the flow of cheap money is going to re- be reduced. I and mean, we've already seen that from the Fed talking about reducing the um, QE3. But um, they're saying in this article, don't despair. So, you know, while that may stir up some risk in some regions, it may also present some opportunities. And, uh, you know, at the same time, corporate earnings are going to take center stage as the stock markets are weaned off these massive amounts of stimulus. So it's going to come back to the basics, which is good. That's where it should be. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the prospects for a much more dependent upon they're a lot more dependent on the near term future uh, earnings is what the analysts are saying here in this article. You know, the strategists say developed markets hold a better return potential 
than their emerging peers as the U.S. Federal Reserve starts to pull back its support, you know, in the bond buying activity that it's scheduled to start tapering this year. They're saying slow, slowing growth in China is going to be another major challenge um, that could uh, sap the confidence and hurt equities in the year ahead. But personally, John, I feel like that's last year's problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they're kind of looking in the rearview mirror. Um, you know, eventually everything's going to change. And when that does, I, I think China will come back. But who knows? Uh, but there's still plenty of room for opportunity for investors looking in the right places. <clears throat> and uh, so they've scoured the globe here. And these experts have uh, come up with their their tips for where to invest and where to avoid. Yeah, so number one here on the list is is Europe. And, you know, Europe has been in the news for, gosh, the last three or four years. And, you know, the fragile European recovery, um, frustrated and by subdued, really, global growth, and a pretty strong euro continues to cast a, a pall over the region. And, <clears throat> however, you know, things are starting to move in the right direction in that, that case, in that area. It's a record-breaking run for the Germans' blue-chip DAX index. It's similar to the S&P 500 in the U.S., it's led a string of market rallies in, in Europe in 2013, and, you know, we see growth in the U.K. was reignited, and London stocks marched higher in tandem with the DAX. So uh, your, uh, the international markets had a pretty good year. Um, looking ahead, analysts are selectively optimistic about European equities. There's an analyst at a uh, investment company over in London that says that improved economic fundamentals should translate into steady rather than dramatic earnings growth. So, Slow and steady, which is that's not a bad thing, you know. No, it's not. I I actually agree with that. That internationals are going to start to pick up here in the coming year because they were a lot weaker than the U.S. and they're cheaper um, now than the U.S. from evaluation when you look at valuations. So yeah, I mean these analysts are more upbeat. They said they expect superior earnings growth next year of fourteen percent for companies in continental Europe. And I think the, the what I've heard here in the U.S., it's more like 10% they're expecting. So they're expecting Europe to really pick up and, and companies there to grow their earnings faster than the U.S., it looks like. But if you're looking for less traditional European play, um, these analysts, they're saying that countries with big financial sector exposure, such as Poland, um, present that. Economics are closely tied to the improving global growth, such as the Czech Republic. And are also ones to watch. And there is more life in the market um, rally enjoyed by Europe's largest uh, economy. Or they're asking, is that is that true? And then the analysts at Wells Fargo, they don't think not. They think uh, they do not think that's true. <laughs> they advise investors to sell out of Germany instead of positioning themselves to benefit from the Eurozone rebound through uh, through Belgium and Switzerland instead. So, you know, bottom yeah. line is they disagree. Yeah, I mean, again, we're not trying to predict, <clears throat> you know, the the market in Europe. We believe in diversification. It's a fact, though, that, that the international markets have underperformed the U.S. over the last couple of years. Typically what we see historically is that reverses at some point. So is 2014 the year for that? You know, who knows? We'll see. But diversification is is the best answer for that that question, really. Yeah, it really is. All right, we'll continue this when we come back from the break. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net, or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD with John and Steve. We'll be right back after these messages. (laughs) 
Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. And we are continuing our discussion here about 2014, what's hot and what's not in the world markets. Mm-hmm. Um, great article out of CNN Money here. And, uh, you know, John, it just... Uh, it's kind of talking, looks like he's talking a lot about Europe. I mean, about internationals. Sure. Really. Yeah. I mean, it is focused <clears throat> on internationals and, you know, the U.S. markets we talked about a little bit are, you know, most things we read and we look at statistics wise look like they're fa- fairly valued. Internationals are a little bit undervalued compared to the U.S. And this article is kind of jumping in a little bit to some specific segments. It's talking about Europe, how they had a good 2013, uh, but maybe the 2014 is going to be a little bit better. Um, yeah, and I agree with that. I mean, your nationals are very, very cheap relative to the U.S., and particularly emerging markets. And so I think there are some great opportunities, you know, internationally. So if somebody's not diversified into internationals very well and they've you know, and people tend to do that. They look in the rearview mirror and they'll load up on the U.S. stocks thinking, oh, internationals didn't do as well. <clears throat> well, you know, I mean, it goes in cycles, right? Mm-hmm. Things do reverse, and they're pointing out some good points here. Things might reverse. Yeah, and this, so they're talking about Europe as a as a positive Asia they look at. You know, the Nikkei Index, which is uh, the Japanese, um, you know, kind of benchmark, if you will, it surged nearly 60% in 2013. I mean, that's an amazing, that's twice of what the S&P 500 Index did. Um, that's its best performance in more than 40 years, and, <clears throat> you know, there's still some positive uh, feelings out there associated with Asia. There's been some major economic reform that has really uh, helped, you know, drive these these huge gains over there. And if you, most people probably don't follow the Nikkei, but it's gone through you know decades of um, kind of underperforming. So yeah, it looks ever like since it's the late '80s. That's right. It's coming back a little bit. You know, elsewhere in Asia, a pickup in global demand is likely to support uh, many export-focused Asian economies. I mean, improved confidence may spread to equities. Um, but, you know, the headwinds we talked a little bit about, slowing growth in China and, and rising interest rates. And, again, there's a lot of different factors that we're talking about here. No one knows which economies are going to do the best. That's where diversification, that's where we're big believers in. And we're, we are believers in international um, as well as a part of the portfolio. Yeah, and then they also mention a couple markets to avoid here. These are UBS analysts, and they name India and Indonesia as their least preferred markets in Asia. Uh, both countries are vulnerable to reduced monetary stimulus from the Federal Reserve, they're saying. Um, so, you know, who knows? I mean, I, I think th- th- this is one group's opinion. I think the key here is that internationals do pose some some great opportunities. Yeah, and the, the last one here is emerging markets. And, um, you know, it's interesting, uh, Steve, 2013 emerging markets uh, actually underperformed most every other segment in the market, they were actually down. Yeah, in most three like percent. Yeah, and so you know that may be scary um, when the markets are up, but we actually view that as maybe an opportunity because you look historically, and emerging markets do bounce around a lot, and so when they're down, maybe it's a good time to buy some things that are low. Yeah, right? I looked up their average PE ratio in emerging markets; it's only like eleven mm-hmm. now. I mean, that's remarkably cheap. Yeah, it is. It's, so it's gotten very, very cheap. And certainly internationals can be volatile. There's you got currency fluctuations. And again, with this segment, we're not trying to predict the markets. Um, some There are some positive things out there in the international markets. The fact is, is the last couple of years they have underperformed generally the U.S. market. So, you know, we believe in diversification. We don't know when the cycle is going to switch, but something to, to consider. Make sure you talk with your advisor. If you have questions, you can certainly reach out to us. Yeah, and just to wrap up, I mean, I disagree with the emerging markets conclusion when they say it. it's probably going to continue to underperform because <clears> – <throat> 
I mean, at some point, emerging markets is going to turn around, and it, it has. If you look historically, emerging markets has been the leading asset class in a third of the last 24 years, eight out of the last 24 years. You know, this this year, the past year, it was the worst asset class. Mm-hmm. So naturally, yeah. at some point when it switches, it's going to switch yeah. big and it is very cheap. And so it'd be like saying just because it was 12 degrees on Wednesday, it was going to be yeah. continue that all week. Well, hello, <laughs> it's going to be like 65 or 70 yeah, today. That's, so, that's right. Uh, so here in Augusta. So uh, you guys up in Chicago listening. Uh, sorry. Sorry. Beat your heart <laughs> out. Yeah. But good, good article. Good, good topics. Um, some exciting things to look forward to. And. 2014. All right, and that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, this question I actually had from a, a client uh, this last week and said no a lot of cash and uh, want to invest in the stock market, long-term believers in the stock market. And so their question was, is, should I invest it all at once or invest over time? And that's a great question. Um, <clears throat> statistically, it, the answer is, is invest it all at once. When we look back at the studies that have been done, um, but, you know, the, the markets are high. So going in, dollar cost averaging it, that's an okay strategy as well. I would say you would try to dollar cost average over the course of the year. So don't string it out three or four years because we don't know what markets are going to do. But I think that's an okay strategy getting yeah, back in. Even maybe even over six months, mm-hmm. but dollar cost average is fine. Whatever you do though, set it up automatically. Don't, don't follow your emotions and say, I'm going to wait till markets correct because you could be waiting around. I know people have been waiting around for over a year now mm-hmm. for markets to correct. And guess what? They, they never did. That's right. So yeah. you'll, you'll probably, it'll probably never see the prices that it saw back, um, you know, a year ago because it'd have to drop 25% to get there. Yep. So, um, yeah, you want to just set it up automatically and get the money in. That's a great, great question of the week. Um, all right, and that leads us up to our next topic here, and that is an article out of Kiplinger's, The Ten Reasons You'll Never Be Rich. Now, John, I don't like that pessimistic title. <laughs> All right, if you, we can turn it around and flip everything real quick if you want. The Ten Ways to, to Be, be rich, rich. That's right. Even though most people won't. Yeah, well. <laughs> Maybe that's it. It's, these are some good things, and we've talked about some of these on the show before, but uh, this is an article out of Kiplinger's. And, uh, you know, you don't have to inherit money or, or win the lottery or even be the next Bill Gates or, or Warren Buffett to become financially secure. And, yeah, a little bit of knowledge, which if you listen to us on a weekly basis, we hopefully you pick some of that up. And a little bit of hard work and a little bit of discipline, which is an important factor in here. Um, you know, many people can accumulate sufficient wealth or, or even perhaps great wealth to enjoy um, some of the creature comforts of life, you know. So, um, <clears throat> but, you know, how you get ahead if you're living paycheck to paycheck, that's the the question that sounds like something Dave Ramsey would would say. So, uh, and that's right. right. I mean, the fact is, no matter how much you earn, you could be creating your own barriers to financial success without even knowing it. And so, we've got ten things here that are going to, you know, hopefully prevent you from, um, you know, not achieving the wealth. So, hopefully, you'll be able to get some prosperity out of these. And you know, you change your ways, and you could find yourself well on the way down the road to um, to being, you know, comfortable. So here yeah. they are. So here we are. Number one. Obvious. This one is pretty obvious. Is a big item, and that is you spend too much. Okay. Ah, what do you mean? There you go. What do you mean? <laughs> Everybody's opening up their you know credit yeah. card bills from Christmas, yeah, right? Yeah, right. Now you know you like you do spend too much. I mean, if you have credit cards that are unpaid that you carry a balance week to week, it's obvious you spend too much. Um, yeah, but plenty of Americans they live beyond their means, but they don't even realize it. You know, a survey last year showed that one half, roughly, of the respondents. Um, said their monthly spending exceeded their income uh, at least a few months out of the year. And only 9% said their lifestyle was more than they could afford. Um, 
Of the 52%, though, that, that overspend, it said about 36%. Finance that shortfall by dipping into savings. Twenty two percent use credit cards. So you know, I mean, if you use credit cards and you're running a balance, you don't have an emergency fund. Mm-hmm. That's a given. Um, then you're obviously overspending. Yeah, you know, that is definitely a pro- a, a, a problem. And, and um, another sign of that is four hundred one k loans. I see yeah. that often. <clears throat> people dipping into their four hundred one k's or IRAs to to pay for things. That's another sign that you're see spending that too all, much. See that all all the time. Mm-hmm. That's right. So yeah, I mean the truth is you have to make a lifestyle change. Um, to get that in, in order. You know, they talk about here about budgeting and, and tracking your spending, but you need to think bigger than that, I think. You need to sell a car, you know, quit a membership, drop cable, downsize your house. You just need to figure out what it takes to get your spending under control and start doing it. And budgeting is part of that process. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Number two here on the list is you save too little. Um, you know, if you're like most folks, your your saving habits could use some improvement. The personal savings rate in the U.S. is just 4.9% of disposable income, and that's down from a high of almost 15% back in 1975. And, you know, about one half of the Americans say that they have a savings plan in place to meet specific goals, and that's according to a 2000 survey commissioned by American Saves. Um, and, you know, saving needs to be a priority in order to build wealth. I mean, you got to begin with an emergency fund that can be tapped in the event of illness. You can't use that 401K as the emergency fund. Um, emergencies happen, job losses, unexpected uh, issues in your household or so forth. Um, you know, 56% of individuals say that they have not even set aside three months uh, of income. So if you're listening to this today and you don't have an emergency fund, I mean, that's a critical part of, of the plan to become wealthy, is right? Is you yeah. got to have that as a protection. So and you need to do it automatically, too. You need to set up your savings mm-hmm. so it goes in automatically and it's someplace you can't touch it very easily. And we're going to talk about that next segment. you got to set yourself up for success. Yeah, this sounds like a Dave Ramsey article here, but it's not. I mean, but these are great financial principles, you know, to, to, to live by. So that's right. I think we'll cover the rest of them when we come back. Yeah, that's right. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net, or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates during regular business hours, 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD with John and Steve. We'll be right back after these messages in GNN News. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. And we are continuing our discussion here before the break about the 10 reasons you will never be rich, according to Kiplinger. <laughs> you know, now, we, we like again, to, we like to flip that around yeah. and say the 10 reasons you can get rich. That's right. That's you right. You know, if you don't do these bad habits. I mean, uh, so it, there are definitely some things out there that impede most people from ever being successful financially. Sure. So you got to be like Dave Ramsey said. you got to live like no one else so you can later mm-hmm. live like no one else. That's right. That's right. Number one here on the list that we talked about was you spend too much, not having a budget, you know, spending more than your monthly income. Um, we see that with 401k loans and credit card debt. So that's kind of a sign if you're in, in that area. Um, the second one was you save too little. Only about um, <clears throat> 4.9% of disposable income is saved. And so that may be a, you know an issue that you want to take a look at. Number three here on the list is, is carrying too much debt. I mean, Americans have uh, $850 billion in credit card debt alone. And that's about $7,000 per household, which is... 
doesn't sound like a lot, but there's a lot of people probably with zero, and there's probably a lot of people with fourteen to twenty thousand, which is a lot. That's right. That it certainly adds up. And you know, if you're only making minimum payments on the um, seven thousand, it'll take you twenty eight years, and cost you over ten thousand dollars in interest charges alone before you're debt free, and that assumes Ouch. a fifteen percent interest rate. So. <clears throat> you know, you've got to stay out of credit card debt. The emergency fund is the best way to, to do that. So, Yeah, you've got to get the debt paid off. You've got to get a plan, start with the smallest card first, right, and just start, you know, flopping money to that every year, every month and um, <clears throat> until it gets paid off and then continue on to the bigger, next biggest card. Um, another reason here on the list, though, is you pay too many fees, and this goes right along with debt. You know, people pay these credit card fees, right? Well, you pay late fees, you pay banking fees, credit card fees. The amount might seem insignificant when you take them individually. I mean, after all, an overdue book in the library or red box DVD might only run you a buck, right? But if you're regularly paying penalties and fees, these charges can quickly eat a hole into your budget, and personally i think it's a symptom of a much bigger problem mm, yep you know it's probably not the little dollar fee here or there but it's a symptom of what you're doing that is eating into your budget every single month and it's just being careless with your spending not considering what things cost you know it's probably the 20 and 30 dollar purchases and eating out you know the with the 50 dollar meals out mm-hmm that's really eating in your budget. It's probably not the little fees. But if you're not uh, paying attention to the small fees, you're not paying attention to the big things either. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's a good one. Number uh, four on the list here is is you pass up free money. I mean, we see a lot of people that don't um, take the free matches from their 401k plan. I mean, if someone says they'll give you 3%, if you put 3 or 4 or 5% in, that's, that, you've got to do that. Now, we'll say a caveat here. Um, we're big believers in having the emergency fund and being paid off um, pay off your debt, um, you know, before you get into the 401k. That's certainly something Dave Ramsey would recommend as well. But, you know, once you get there, you've got to take advantage of that free money. Um, you know, it's, it's something that, um, it's just, it's a great opportunity. The company's trying to help you out as part of your salary, really. So make sure you take care of that 401k match. Number five here on the list is, um, <clears throat> you just simply neglect retirement. I mean, if you wait until you're age 35 to start saving for retirement, um, you'll need to set aside $671 a month to reach a million dollars by age 65. But if you started at age 25, you just 286 bucks a month is what you would have to save. So we've talked about this a lot before. Mm-hmm. Start early. If you're listening to this and you're already 45 or 55, go and reach back to your kids or your grandkids. Start teaching them this concept because it's a very powerful, powerful concept that you can change your life on. Um, you know, if you're over 50, Uncle Sam makes it uh, easier for procrastinators to catch up on retirement. Um, you can contribute up to $23,000 annually into the 401k, um, and you can also put in about 6500 into a Roth. So they do give you some catch-up opportunities later in life, but, you know, the sooner you start, uh, again, reach out to uh, uh, your kids, your grandkids, and help them with this concept because it will change their life. I sat down with a 19-year-old this last week with a Roth account. And, uh, man, I tell you what, he's going to be a happy camper in about 40 years yep, with yep. that based on the history that we've seen. So yeah, we preach that routinely. And it's, a, it's the one thing you can control. You can't control the markets. You can't control how much you make, but you can control when you start mm-hmm. and time is on your side. Take advantage of it. So that's a great one. All right. And that uh, next one here is you buy high and you sell low. 
<laughs> that's not <laughs> that's not what you're supposed to do, it, right? You're supposed to buy low and sell high. But no, you do the opposite. I mean, does that sound like your investment strategy? I mean, you hear about you know the stock market soaring. You want to get in on the action, so you impulsively buy or you jump into the market at the top when you've been sitting out for two years or something. Um, so you can't bear the pain of watching your shares decline further in value. So maybe immediately sell for loss, and then you later for forced to buy back in at a higher price. So, you know, people that follow their emotions, John, they get sucked into this. Mm-hmm. Every time I talk to a client just this week that had the same emotions, you know, of <clears throat> of, of wanting to, to, to sell out now and, and, you know, wait for a correction, try to follow, you know, try to time it a little bit. Um, and you get in a trap when you do that most of the time. Statistically, that we the stats that we see is that does not work out as a valid strategy over a long period of time. It just doesn't. So too many it, things have to go right, and you just, just got to be timed perfectly, and it's very very hard to do. Yep. So, so you got to uh, take the emotion out of it. Absolutely. That's the key. You got to just automatically set it up, leave it alone, rebalance. Rebalance is the key in that. That's right. So that's a good one. That's a good one, Dr. Marbert. Um, the next one here on the list is you buy everything new. Don't buy stuff new. I mean, a new vehicle loses 30% of its value within the first two years. So yeah. why wouldn't you go out and buy a two-year-old vehicle and save a, a bundle of money? I mean, Dave Ramsey says if you if you want to have fun, you know, throwing money out the window, just get $100 bills and just chunk them out, you know, <laughs> see what <laughs> happens right. on the uh, on there the road. Go. So, um, you know, pre, you can get pre-owned uh, clothing and things like that. So um, buy things used. You can save a lot of money associated with that yeah that's right the next one on the list here is kind of painful it says you retire too early ouch ouch i mean that's everybody's dream isn't it i mean come on you know (laughs) well you know yeah i mean people do uh, make silly decisions they retire when they're not quite ready they haven't planned properly Mm -hmm. right and they retire they think oh i can make it the first year here and i can you know maybe take money out of my plan before i'm 59 and a half they incur the 10 percent penalty they don't think through it. You got to do some planning. You got to plan on inflation. You got to see what things look like 20 years down the road when inflation has taken a bite into your retirement. Um, plan retirement properly and make sure you're well covered. That's the point. Yeah, that's a good one. The last one here on the list. I really like this, Steve. Is don't uh, people don't invest in themselves? I mean, you know, your own earning power rooted in your education and job skills is the most valuable asset you'll ever own. And it can be wiped out in, in a market crash. I That's mean, you've right. got to you've got to reinvest in yourself. We have great resources in this area, Aiken Tech, USC Aiken, Augusta State. It's probably a, you know, a couple more that I didn't mention. But go get a skill or a degree in some type of technical field or, um, you know, nursing or computer science that will pay a great wage because that will help you with all these other things that we talked about. So invest in yourself in 2014. That's a good one. All right. Great list. Don't let those 10 items keep you from being wealthy and reaching your financial dreams and goals because you can do it. Yes. You can overcome those. Great, uh, great topic. All right. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah. Well, this is prescription. I'm sorry. Do prescription? prescription of the week. Yep. Yeah. Let's this is, um, it has to do with your, your credit report. Um, there's something called annualcreditreport.com. There's three different reporting agencies out there. You can go out there once a year and get one um, from each one of the, the three credit reporting. It's probably a good idea. I know in the state of South Carolina there's been some data breaches, and uh, going and making sure and checking that to see if anybody's you know opening up any type of um, 
you know, identity, uh, you know, stealing your credit. So annualcreditreport.com, go check it out. Yeah, you got to do that. Is you can't be too careful in today's society of uh, identity theft. So make sure you go do that this, this that time of year to check it out. All right, and that leads us up to our final topic of the day here. We'll get started before the break, and that is the five simple steps to achieve any financial goal. And, John, this is a new US, U.S. News and World Report uh, article. It came out this week that kind of added to a little bit. But, you know, it's it's kind of like dieting, John. I mean, you have to set yourself up for success. You mm-hmm. know, everybody has the your financial goals in the new year. Well, you also might have a diet plan for the new year, losing weight, right? I mean, there are must be a million ways to achieve your weight goals, um, but it's but most people usually don't actually achieve it because it is hard, right? So you want to set yourself up for success. So there are some things you can do to greatly increase your odds of losing weight, um, just like you can do with your financial goals. I mean, we all know that if you get rid of you know, every sign of sweets or fattening food in the house, then you have a better chance of sticking to your diet. So you're saying no fudge? Yeah, I'm afraid not, All right, John. Tammy, you listen to this? Yeah, we, we sent all of ours off. We, we have sent, fudge we, in our house today. It's bad. We gave away all of our sweets because, oh. you know, we're pretty serious. So we yeah, just got out of the house. Actually, we, Tammy and Matthew made it. It's fantastic. So I'll oh, bring I some know. into the office. That's what I'll do. I know. This is good stuff, but you got to purge your house of it, right? And I have it sitting around. Mm-hmm. If it's stuff you're tempted with. You know, you also know if you build some accountability into your diet, you know, you have somebody that you're weighing in with every day, then your odds multiply, you know, right? I mean, how about if you add exercise routine to your uh to your diet, a pre-scheduled workout session, me with a personal trainer four yep. times a week. Mm-hmm. You know, chances are you're going to be too embarrassed to break those appointments. Yeah, you're that's too- good. Have some accountability. I like that. Accountability. That's a big one. You know, I mean, then um, you know, if you have the the prepackaged meals or something that you're buying, a lot of diet plans include those. Mm-hmm. You know, chances are you're going to eat those rather than cook yourself because you spent the money on them and and you kind of have it already set up there. So the point is, if you position yourself with enough incentive and accountability, losing weight is a lot easier. And the same principle applies to achieving your financial goals. If you set yourself up for success, you have a lot better chance of making it happen, and it becomes a lot easier. So that's what we're going to go into uh, when we get back from the break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net. Or give us a call, 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD with John and Steve. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. And we are continuing our discussion here before the break um, with the five simple steps to achieve any financial goal. You know, John, as I just talked about, I mean, if you set yourself up for financial success, you have a lot better chance of achieving your long-term goal, just like a diet plan. Mm-hmm. You know, if you set yourself up, you get rid of the sweets, you build some accountability in, you get your meals all planned out. You know, if you if you set yourself up so the default is you're on track, mm-hmm. then you have a much better chance of reaching your your goal of losing ten pounds. Yeah, you know, or seven pounds. I heard a stat from our um, pastor this last weekend that sixty two percent of all New Year's resolutions are broken by the first week in February. Yeah. So they last about a month. <laughs> yeah, and then they're gone. 
So yeah, and then there's probably another twenty percent that just are lying to themselves, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. in the stats. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think ninety percent of long-term goals like that, the New Year's resolutions yeah. are, you know, don't Fast. last very long. So, um, you know, you got to set yourself up for success if you're serious about reaching your goals. And so, all of us have financial dreams. I mean, we'd like to be completely debt-free. <clears throat> we would like to retire early. We'd like to build our dream house. We'd like to pay. Uh, for our children's college, you know, education to a top-ranked school. Maybe we'd like to open up our own business. Um, but the challenging part is transforming those financial dreams into financial goals and then actually achieving them. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's it's really taking something so enormous, you know, a big goal, so nebulous, and turning it into something that you can actually achieve uh, in a specific time frame. And that's really hard to do. It's not easy for anyone uh, or everyone, even the people who achieve their their goals. But, you know, there are ways to greatly increase your odds of achieving your financial goals and make them less painful in the process. So that's what we're going to kind of go through here. That's right. And regardless of what your specific goal are, here are five steps that you can take that will drastically improve your chance of success. So number one here is to create a detailed but flexible plan. Um, ask yourself... How exactly are you going to get from where you are today to where you want to be? What is the time frame that you desire for achieving that goal? What what do you have to achieve each year to make it happen or each month or each week? And then write down the detailed steps in a very visible place. You know, like for dieting, John, I like to put mine on my refrigerator. You mm. know, here's my weigh-in weight and you know hmm. here's where i am so if so, i can see it and laugh well, at it no. so every time you go to the refrigerator <laughs> oh, there it okay. is you know i mean you can't escape it i like right? it i like I it i mean you gotta just you know put it in front of you so same thing with your plan you know get a detailed plan and then your plan for achieving your goal should involve clear answers to the questions um of how you get there you know at the same time you should allow some flexibility as because you, you might not know exactly what the future holds right things can change so naturally uh you know there's the life changes could upend your financial goal but uh, many goals are actually ended um by minor lifestyle changes that shouldn't have ended your goal mm -hmm. so just like your diet plan you know you got to have some flexibility in it and you can't let one bad day or or, or one bad move, one event, wreck your goal. Yeah, and number two here on the list, I like this, is you got to add a healthy dose of reality to your goal and, and really break it down into bite-sized portions. If you look at it in the, the mass, you know, the grand goal, it can be overwhelming. But um, So how do you add that kind of flexibility? The best thing you can do is to make sure your plan is based in reality. You know, quite often people establish savings goals and other goals that are simply outside the realm of what can easily be achieved. So a person who lives paycheck to paycheck isn't suddenly going to be debt-free in, in a year, but he can get started. So I would just add a note here. You know, if you want help with your financial goal or kind of a second opinion, I think this is kind of what this is saying. You need to get some reality in your situation. Get some, right. another person to look at it and see if there's something that you're missing or something that you can do differently. Yeah, that's exactly right. Again, I kind of liken it to the uh, diet plan um, you know, where you got to have a realistic goal, right? You're not going to lose 20 pounds in a month. Um, that's just not, that's not reality. Right. I mean, same way you're not going to save $50,000 this year. It's just probably not going to happen. It's got to be realistic, right? So, you know, maybe, maybe two pounds a week if you're really, really serious 
that's about what you can lose. Mm-hmm. And but even that, you got to break it down into every day. Okay, so what am I going to do today to achieve my weight goal? Yes. Well, you know, so I'm going to exercise 30 minutes. Okay, and I'm also going to to I'm not going to eat any bread. I'm not going to eat any sweets, and I'm going to have my calories at 1,500 calories for the day. It sounds like you have a lot of experience. Is this your New, Year, your New Year's resolution? <laughs> it's always my New Year's resolution, John. Is it not yours? Absolutely. <laughs> of course. Put that fudge in the house. Yeah, I do, I do go up and down. The average, I, my doctor, I went to the doctor yesterday. He told me the average person gains four pounds over the holidays. Yeah. I'm above and I, average. I'm, and I, I like, like it. Well, shoot, uh, there I am. I'm I'm average again because yeah. that's almost exactly what I gained. And that's one one area you don't want to be above average. No, in, right? you don't want to be above <laughs> average. Unfortunately, you know, I was I was already kind of on the higher end before I went into the holidays. I was like, shoot, you know, you yeah. had four pounds on top of that. Yeah, you know, I got some work to do here in January, but you got to break it down. I mean, same thing with your financial goals. You got to break it down. I mean, if you want to save. Let's say you you do want to um, uh, you have a five year plan. We'll break that down into one sixtieth. Okay, what are you going to do this month? How much do you need to save to get to your five year goal for your savings? Um, you know, make sure it's realistic in the short term, and then break it down and take take each step mm-hmm. in baby steps, as uh, our good friend Dave Ramsey would say. That's right? right, baby steps. Okay, so number three here on the list is set small milestones. So this is kind of in the same vein. In fact, it says focusing on shorter time frames is a powerful way to achieve your financial goal. So let's say you do want to save fifty thousand dollars for seed money for a business or for you know buying a new house, whatever you want to do. Rather than setting such a large number as your goal. Um, say after five years, break it down into really small bite-sized pieces. Um, you know, have your goal is to save, say, $10,000 this year. Um, well, so you break that down monthly. You want to save $800 this month. So you break it down even further and you say, I want to save $175 this week. Mm-hmm. That's this week's goal. Yeah, it's something you can work on. You can do that. You can't yeah, do 50000 so, all at once. So no, right. So good. find, you know, how to do that. Exactly. And then uh, when you when you break your goal down into small pieces with milestones, then the day-to-day actions you need to achieve these goals becomes very clear. So it's easier to figure out how to save $175 this week than it is how to save $50,000, say, over over five years. Yeah, that's a good one there. The, the fourth one here on the list is is to automate it. And, and once you have your goal broken down into small milestones, automate the entire plan. Set up an automatic savings transfer at your bank that transfers $170, $175, which was your target, and do that per every week into a savings account. And doing this really serves two purposes. First, it locks you into a plan that moves you toward your goal without having to make you know active decisions along the way. And second, it puts you in a position where you focus on you know dealing with how to live after making room for your goal, not trying to decide whether to make room for it. So it kind of takes the um, thinking out uh, once you automate it. it. It's a fantastic way to do it. You know, whether it's a savings goal or 401ks or cars, weddings, whatever, it's a, this is a great process to use. Yeah, I think that's one of the most powerful tools you can use. Make it your default. You know, if your default is it's going to happen, then that is the way to achieve your goal. I mean, that, that really sets you up for success. And same thing with your diet, I keep going back to. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, just like that. I mean, you have prepackaged meals, um, nothing bad in the house. 
you know, same way. If you if you make saving money the default, then the chances are you aren't going to stop saving the money. You're not going to go that effort. I mean, better yet, set up automatic increases in your 401k plan. We've talked about that before. I mean, so it increases by one percent of your pay each year. I mean, that's a great tool which is available in a lot of plans nowadays. So, all right, and the last one on the list here is keep it keep it out of easy reach. Um, once you begin your savings it can become very tempting to tap into that money for other purposes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there should be no way for you to access that money immediately because of an impulsive decision um, that will you know, undermine your goal. So you should not be able to access it like an ATM card, for example. Um, so you don't make it hard to get to. So instead, save your money in a remote financial institution, um, have it invested, you know, the decision of whether to use a bank account or an investment account and an advisor is up to you. But, I mean, savings goal shouldn't sit in a place where you can grab it at a whim. You know, that's what an emergency fund is for. And I think having an advisor is a big help, though, because I've heard lots of clients say that, you know, they don't take money out of their account because they're embarrassed to call. They don't want to talk to somebody and fess up that they've kind of messed up their plan they've set up, you know, for reaching their financial goals. That's Accountability is a huge motivator. And I think you do want to use that. So taken together, these steps, though, will guide you um, toward almost any financial goal. And they can set you up for success. And that's what you want to achieve. Yep. Yeah, you want to be set up for success. All right. Well, that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD with John and Steve. Tune in next Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. to hear more prescriptions for your financial help. And check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions. We would love to hear from you. Um, you can email us directly at info at moneymd.net, or you can give us a call at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend, and stay tuned for Doug Allen and the Spirit of Racing coming right up. Have a good one. Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed Local Provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor, securities sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC.